Welcome to Eye of the Storm. Join us as we delve into Melbourne Storm's 25-year history, reliving the highs and lows, celebrating the victories and achievements of one of Australia's most revered clubs. From humble beginnings to the club we know and love today, Melbourne Storm's story is one worth telling. Sit back, relax, and get ready to be taken on a journey through the eye of the storm. It's time for Melbourne Storm to build their roster. Who would make up the inaugural squad? Who would be fullback? Who would be a strong forward? Who would be the captain? And most importantly, who would coach them? Many uncertainties loomed around the formation of the first Victorian team. When it came to finding a coach, Storm's founding father, John Rebo, shares there was only one man for the job. A former Australian Kangaroos and New South Wales representative winger and 1995 Premiership winning coach of the Canberra Bankstown Bulldogs, Chris Anderson gladly offered himself for the role as Melbourne's inaugural leader. Surround yourself with really good people and you give yourself a great chance. And I suppose a good learning curve for me, from a co even from a coaching point of view, Chris Anderson came to me in the early days, not understanding what I knew about Melbourne. He said, look, if you ever get an opportunity to start up a football team, I'd love to be involved. So uh, that was one that I locked away early. And then uh, my lieutenant back then was uh, Chris Johnson. He was, he was fantastic. And uh, all through the battles of, of Super League, you saw the character of the people, so um, we were very fortunate to bring on the people we needed. The coaching staff was uh, hand-picked, so uh, it gave us a really good chance. And uh, the way it all unfolded, we always knew we were going to be competitive. A born and bred New South Welshman, becoming the head coach of a Victorian team would initially seem like the last thing on the bucket list for Anderson. One trip to the sports capital of Australia was enough to spark the interest. Well, we used to go down there a fair bit when I was coaching Canterbury. We used to go down at least once a year to, uh, to visit um, Hawthorne, who were a family club like us. So we used to try and pinch a few uh, professional attitudes from them. So I knew Melbourne reasonably well. I used to go down there from school, actually, and we, we used to run at Olympic Park. So I knew Olympic Park well. So I went down with Bullfrog to uh, to see Hawthorne, and then a day later, um, Jeff Harding was fighting at the tennis centre. So I said to Bullfrog, I'll stay back and go and watch him. And I went and watched him, and the atmosphere was incredible. It was just like, that was the first fight he'd ever been to Melbourne before, Jeff, and it was his first fight, and it was some fight. couldn't get over the crowd and how vocal they were and how much they loved it. So I went back and I said to Bullfrog, if we ever get an opportunity, we should take a team to Melbourne. Uh, John Rebay got the, got the management rights for the Melbourne team and um, I just threw my hat in the ring when it came up and I asked Bullfrog and he was sort of in the phase of getting out of the club anyway, so it was, if it was okay with him, it was, it was okay with me to go. Now the hard part. 
armed with trusting reputations and an infectious passion to expand the sport they love, it was time for Chairman John Rebo, CEO Chris Johns, and Coach Chris Anderson to come together and fill their roster. After the fall of the interstate teams due to the Super League war, the idea of luring players away from known rugby league states and down south to uncharted territory was an added scare and the trio were going to have to put in the work to get their team. So just to bring them down here because there was no guarantees of anything other than a two-year contract. Famed rugby league journalist Roy Masters recalls his thoughts when the task was first laid out. Then I thought, God, these blokes ahead of them, they've got a big task ahead of them to, to, to actually do that. But there was very clever in the appointments they made. Being the first player signed, that was, that was kind of something I'm quite proud of and a lot of belief on behalf of you know, Reeves and Chris Johns and, and uh, Chris Anderson that they were going to do what they said they were going to do and secure the players that they want. That's Robbie Ross, the first player to sign with the newly created Melbourne Storm. Yeah, so it has actually. So in 1996, I was playing at the Broncos uh, with Chris Johns and John Rebo, I believe, was chairman or CEO at the time. And uh, so I had a really good year up there and uh, formed some good relationships with those two. And then the year after Super League kicked off, I was playing for Hunter Mariners. We went to a to a nightclub, believe it or not, um, in Newcastle. It was early morning, and I remember Reeves and uh, Chris Johns kind of cornering me in, a, in, 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 in the nightclub saying, look, Rob, we've got something quite interesting happening uh, next year. Uh, I think uh, you'd, be, uh, you'd be well suited for it. I said, OK, what is it? And he goes, we're starting a new club. It's called the Melbourne Storm. No one had heard of it. This was very hush-hush. It was all very quiet. Hadn't been in the media. Not that I was aware of, anyway. I just kind of walked through it. What's it going to be the difference? You know what I mean? How, how's Melbourne going to succeed? They were certain of its success based on purely the, the public, you know, the Melbourne public. They said they're mad on sports. They love their sports. They'll get behind it. And they have. And they did. I mean, that was true. With no guarantees entering an unknown world, what was it that gave Ross belief this seemingly crazy idea would work? I was good friends with with Chris Johns, and I was and I was and I really really good friends with with Reeves. I just believe Reeves, like Reeves, the godfather of the club as we call him now. You got to remember the success that Reeves has had with the Broncos. You know, he pretty much started that club and got him up and running, and he had huge success. Talking about Chris Anderson being the coach once again, huge success, winning culture. You know what I mean? So there was there was lots of lots of reasons why you would buy into it. One player down, thirty to go. The next to come was Glenn Lazarus, the first captain of the Melbourne Storm. Having already shone in eleven seasons of rugby league, over twenty international appearances, and having taken home the nineteen ninety two Dalian Prop of the Year, his was the name that made heads turn. Chris Johns was a part of the Broncos where I was in 97. He uh, announced, not to anyone in particular, but he announced that he was uh, going to the, the new franchise, um, the Melbourne Storm, and um, jokingly, you know, I said, I'll come down with you. Yeah, Johnsy, no worries. And that sort of snowballed uh, to a stage where we were talking seriously and uh, I was having meetings with John Rebo and Chris Anderson and it wasn't too much 
later, in fact, was driving along uh, the freeway up in Brisbane and uh, rang my wife Tess and said, look, I think I, I want to go. And um, she was happy for me to do that. So, yeah, that's basically it. It uh, started off as a bit of a, you know, a jokey thing, but uh, became very serious very quickly. And um, some of the reasons uh, that I signed with Melbourne was one that um, they were prepared to sign me for the 99 year. Um, I had a contract with the Broncos in 98, um, but they were prepared to sit back and wait. So um, Melbourne were quite happy to sign me for 99, which I thought was great. The other thing they uh, spoke to me about was uh, the captaincy, which I'd always wanted to do. I'd been the two previous uh, successful clubs uh, with great team leaders and leaders of those teams. Um, you know, Mal Meninga from the Raiders and... Uh, of course, Alan Langer from uh, Brisbane Broncos. So the opportunity didn't really come up there, but the Melbourne Storm was suggesting that, you know, I could be the captain, which really interests me. Um, and of course, the excitement of starting a new franchise was uh, that I was coming to the end of my career and and it was a, it was something that I could really sink my teeth in, a, a new challenge, uh, going down to a, a, a place where rugby league is fairly insignificant. Yeah, we, we packed up Brisbane and moved to Melbourne. One of the next to sign became a prominent selling factor for the future Storm players. By the end of 1997, Tawera Nikau was an established New Zealand rugby league success story with 19 test match appearances, five World Cup runs, seven seasons in the English system, alongside three seasons and a grand final with the Bulldogs under Chris Anderson, the lock was set to be a big win for Storm if they could secure him. 1997, I'd, uh, I was signed at Cronulla and played in the grand final. And then me and my family went away. We were up in um, Lindeman Island for a holiday. And then the phone rings in my hotel suite. Answer the phone, pick up the phone, and it's um, Chris Johns ringing me. He says, oh, where is Johnsy here? I want to have a chat to you. I said, how the hell did you find me over here in, in, on holiday? And uh, he said, listen, we're, we're keen to um, see if you'd like to come down to Melbourne. Uh, we'd love for you to fly down and have a look and have a chat to us about it. Uh, we're putting together a new team, the Melbourne Storm, in 1998, and we'd love for you to be part of it. When I got back from holiday, uh, me and my wife, uh, Letitia, we flew down to Melbourne. I uh, met up with John Rebo uh, down at the um, Herald Weekly Times building, it was, and had a meeting, and uh, I went and sat with Reeves and had a really good chat. And he talked to me about uh, his vision for Melbourne and what that was going to be like. So um, I was really impressed with Reeves's vision, but more importantly, it was a really great opportunity for me uh, to come to Melbourne and, and be in a leadership role. And I thought that was really exciting for me. I've been at the, the Sharks for three years, uh, played over in the UK, but coming to a brand new franchise and having the opportunity to be part of the leadership uh, group uh, was very exciting. Uh, so for me, uh, I jumped in boots and all right from the get-go. What was the vision that Rebo had shared with the lock that made him so keen to sign on? A leadership position was already on the cards, but with the footy world at his fingertips, there had to be more to convince Nick Al to take a chance on the Southern team. I knew there was a big expat community here in uh, Melbourne. There was a heap of Kiwis, so I had family uh, living down here in Melbourne. Uh, that appealed to me also, but in terms of, um, I also knew that, you know, AFL was the number one game. And there was some anxiousness, I suppose, in terms of how we would be received uh, from the public, but 
I saw it as an opportunity. The main thing was around building a, building a club uh, and building a community. But really what Reeves sold me on was the vision and how I would fit into that vision. Uh, being one of the um, Kiwi leaders, they wanted to attract you know, uh, a lot of the expats that were living in here and that was part of the marketing plan to do that also. So, you know, it appealed to me on a number of different fronts and it was an opportunity for me to step up too. So, you know, I really um, yeah, was sold on the vision that Reeves had that particular day. It was a great opportunity and as I said, uh, you know, I really looked forward to uh, becoming part of the Melbourne store. The next player to sign was to become an instant fan favourite. Honestly, we, we ordered a coffee and I said yes before the coffee came out. Hailing from Papua New Guinea and beginning his professional footy career over in the UK, Marcus Bai was put on the path to Melbourne Storm by an unusual suspect. I didn't know about the new club was starting, but Bob Bennett called me up and said, look, let's have a meeting with Chris Jones. Um, he will be the new CEO of a new club, uh, NRL club. And, and I asked, um, what's NRL? And he said, um, well, next year there won't be any more Super League and ARL. It will be National Rugby League. And I said, OK, and there's a club starting in Melbourne. And um, I got a call, I think, about um, uh, June June from Bob. And Bob said, let's have a meeting down here on the coast. Chris Jones arrive. And uh, said to me, look, we, we're starting a new club in Melbourne. I know, so you like AFL? He said, yes, I, I love AFL. And said, why is this team going to be in Melbourne? He said, yeah, oh, that'll be good because it'll be, it'll be nice for me to go and watch the AFL up down in Melbourne. And automatically, I, I, I was interested and obviously wanted so watching AFL when we were kids and play in our area where I come from, uh, Wesley Britain provinces. All AFL is big, big, uh, big in, in our province. So. Playing one season on the wing for the now defunct Gold Coast Chargers in 1997, Bai had secured five tries, becoming a permanent fixture on the Queensland team's run-on lineup. With only 26 games under his belt, his experience as winger was limited but promising, a prospect some more established clubs weren't willing to bank on. It was sort of like a stepping stone that I was excited to come, but um, said, look, we were looking for a winger and um, Winger, sort of, maybe centers, or do you play and sort of a little bit, but not much. But I said, I'm enjoying wing with uh, playing for the, for the Chargers. And I think it was two months before that, Wayne wanted, wanted me to go and play with Toomba Clydesdale in Brisbane Broncos Feeder Club and see how I go. I was, I was more excited about that going through, um, obviously, the Broncos. But then Wayne said to Bob, tell him it will be difficult because there's so many good players here and they're young young players, obviously Michael Hancock that time and Wendell, they were all coming through and all, and all these players. So that was it. I think they, they came in and with an offer and said, look, we want you for two years. Yeah, but I was glad Chris Jones and Bob Bennett made it possible. Obviously Wayne played a massive part in because Wayne made that call to John Ribbo and Chris Jones said, go and sign Marcus and, and see how he goes, give him a two-year contract and see how he goes. And that was what happened. Bai went on to win Dally M Winger of the Year in his first season with Storm. An instant hit amongst the Purple Faithful, the fans went on to name a stand after the PNG powerhouse at the club's original home, Olympic Park, but more on that later. Robbie Kearns was one of the next to join the Purple contingent. 
a star signing for the now extinct Perth team, the Western Reds in 1996, when the club folded in 1997, he was once again on the hunt for a new place to call home. I had a little bit of interest from uh, a couple of clubs back home and I really enjoyed my time over in Perth and there was a few guys over there, myself and Ronnie Howe were sort of guys, uh, the two front rowers over there and uh, were playing some decent football so they wanted, uh, Chris Anderson was all, all about forwards at the time, he, he needed some big forwards, uh, big front row forwards, I wasn't the biggest bloke but um, obviously Lazo and Howie were. But uh, anyway, yeah, so he was really pushing hard to get us here. I came down on a bit of a tour and um, I really liked what I saw and uh, the, you know what they, was, what they were telling me, I liked what I was hearing. And uh, from all reports, we're gonna have a pretty successful side, pretty well-balanced side on paper. And uh, which obviously, you know, they're talking about the success they're gonna have and history shows they, they were pretty spot on. And um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't have any regrets at all. I, like I said, I had some opportunity to go back home and. I'm really glad I uh, turned left instead of right. The lineup was looking good. Reliable and experienced big names were locked in to head to Melbourne, buying into the vision of Johns, Rebo and Anderson. However, there were still spots to fill and other teams on the hunt for now out-of-work players. One of the final signings was Matt Geyer. Back then, Matt was nowhere near the name he is today. Moving from the Penrith system to join his brother Mark with the Western Reds in 1997, where he made only six appearances in Super League. A young and fit performer, Gaia looked like the perfect fit to fill out the remaining roster, but the now club legend admits he didn't initially want to come. I'd spent three years in Perth, mainly running away from Penrith because I was a Penrith junior and I uh, thought I was going to play for Penrith and dreamed of playing for Penrith. I was a bit offended, like the rug was pulled out, so I sort of went, oh, I've got to get out of here, you know, and my brother was in Perth. <laughs> and then, so I went over there just to hang out with him for a, maybe a year or so, and then and it turned out I, I made grade and then it progressed, and then I finally signed a, an NRL contract with the Reds. And um, me and my wife went to Bali for a holiday, and then we came back and the Reds had folded. I'm like, oh, typical, you know. I never really thought I'd be an NRL footballer, so I played six games and after that I actually, I don't know where they are now, but I actually got the VHS of every game I played so I could tell my kids I'd played NRL, you know, and that's where I, I was happy with that. I was really was. As I said, I was only a bottom feeder at the time, so I didn't really know how it all worked. But I think what happened, because we were Super League aligned over in Perth, the Storm, Rams and um, the Cowboys just sort of picked us off, anyone that they wanted. And so I was just, where the, where the merry-go-round stop, my stop was Melbourne and and I actually didn't want to come here. It landed here and I was like, oh, is there any other option? Spoke to my manager, no, like this is where you're at. But then yeah, landed here. I landed here a little bit late um, because there was a bit of to and froing about around that situation. And so I got here about sort of four weeks into pre-season. So I was a bit overweight and a bit slow, but so I definitely, Chris Anderson and the, and the, and the guys, they wouldn't have uh, been really impressed on day one. I didn't speak to anyone. I was on the bottom rung. I probably would have been, when they built their list, I would have been Number 25. As the first Melbourne Storm player, Robbie Ross was tasked with recruitment. As the fallout of the Super League war continued, the Hunter Mariners were no longer, and as a result, their remaining players were free agents. As a former Mariner himself, Ross was headed back into rugby league territory to convince his former teammates Melbourne was the place to be. When we first came down, Chris Johns said to me, Rob, I think 
you might need to fly back up to uh, to Newcastle and see if you can secure these Hunter Merida players. I'm like, okay. So I flew back up to Newcastle, called all the guys and said, I'll meet you at the Cricketers Arms. And I was met at the door by Mick Hagen, who's, who's the time was, who was our Hunter Merida's um, assistant coach. He said, no, you're not taking him. These are all kind of local Newcastle, you know, produced players. And you know, he was passionate about it. And I said, oh, Hags, I'm just having a chat, you know. And I went in, had a chat to the boys, and, and they, were, they were, you know, they were obviously very interested, but at the same time, a little bit like me, they were like, well, it's a bit, you know, this is going to Victoria. This is this is unknown. This is, <laughs> no one comes to Victoria. Look at the weather. No one's going to do it. Back then, it was so foreign. It was the city of the Melbourne Cup and, um, and, and, and theatres. But it definitely wasn't, and obviously AFL and tennis and so forth. But it wasn't. Uh, it was. It was foreign to us. Leaving the rugby league obsessed Queensland and New South Wales for the AFL obsessed Victoria seemed like a prospect destined to fail. But it turned out to be a blessing in disguise. With the media's attention firmly fixed on AFL, bona fide league stars and up and comers alike were able to train and adjust in peace. Well, we just had a bunch of young guys that were keen for a chance and an opportunity. And, um, you know, Melbourne really gave us it. You know, living in Sydney for three years at Cronulla, um, you were scrutinised by the media all the time. And then one of the things I noticed coming to Melbourne was, it was really great. You could walk around the streets. There was nobody knew who you were, you know. And, and that was something that was different for rugby league because if you lived in Queensland or you lived in New South Wales, uh, you know, you were just under the spotlight all the time. And then... And nobody actually knew who you were. You know, you'd have 20, 10, 15 pages of AFL in the back of the Herald Sun uh, every day, and you'd only have half a page of NRL. You know what I mean? Uh, all the focus was on the AFL guys, and we could sort of get around and do what we wanted to do. So, Kearns backs to wear up with the media's prying eyes impacting his on-field performance before going into state. So I was most probably reading my press a little bit too much, living at home, so I had it all too easy, so... Yeah, at the end of the day, I had to sort of leave home to uh, toughen up a bit, and uh, that's when my football got back on, you know, better terms over in Perth. And I sort of thought to myself, well, if I was to go back to Sydney, I might sort of fall back in my old ways and uh, the opportunity to come down to Melbourne. Melbourne Storm had a name, a logo, squad, an administration, a venue, and now all that was left was a culture. With people from all over Australia, New Zealand and Papua New Guinea, with varying levels of experience coming together ahead of the 1998 preseason period, a unified belief, trust and passion was essential to the club's success. That was the reason, I still put it down, one of the main reasons why we had so much success was when you take people from all different areas and you bring them into a foreign environment, all they've got is themselves. We kind of came down, it was like that first day at school and then all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're, we're playing a sport, so we're interacting, we're, you know, we're, we're, get, we're getting close quite quickly and every weekend, so in that pre-season was, we'd go out, we'd get flogged and then we'd go back to the pub, have a drink, families would be around and it would become a very solid unit quite quickly actually. From pubs to St Kilda Beach, the city of Melbourne became a playground for the Storm converts to explore together. 
Tawera recalls training all over the town, not only preparing the boys for their first season, but also getting them used to their new home. Yeah, well, the build-up to that was because you had to, you know, people were travelling, we had players coming from Perth, we had players coming from Brisbane, we had players coming from Sydney, and then Reeves had said they were talking to Lazo and myself as part of that leadership team. Uh, so we all came together and there was, you know, like, I didn't know many of the younger guys. A lot of them hadn't played great. A lot of them were, um, you know, had, uh, played uh, for different other teams. And um, I think Lazo and I were the only two internationals at the time. Those first training sessions, it was a bit of a word. Um, didn't know many of the young blokes. And um, coming together and training, you know, we were training on the beach at St Kilda, you know, running the tan track. There was a whole lot of different things. So it was quite exciting. It was a lot different to what we were used to. But I, I really enjoyed it. I, I really enjoyed the time because it was, it was pretty exciting. It was fresh. Uh, and uh, I really enjoyed those early days. As the club found its feet with the more technical aspects of running an A-grade NRL team, Matt Geyer remembers the more relaxed ways the first Storm players would rest and recuperate off the training track. We had set up, like from a Broncos sort of perspective with Johnsy and Reeves, and then our on-field stuff with Chris Anderson. And it was on the dawn of um, professionalism, so we were professional footballers, but they still didn't know how to fill our week. You know, like, um, there's a, there was... The whole we would sort of playing golf twice a week because they would like you know you, the video analysis wasn't as, as intense and like looking at opposition teams and your own game and you know recovery prehab wasn't a such a thing all that kind of stuff hadn't been invented yet so yeah really feel your week you know coming from two or three days a week of doing some ball work and some weights to going full time but it really got us together you know we did a lot of social things remember the jam factory you know we i, I knew every movie that had ever come out around that around that time because we'd always go to the movies together and the benefit of that was we had no mates other than each other down here so you're sitting around the challenge room while oh, let's go to a movie so that brought us together really close really quick with a tight-knit full roster and a noteworthy head coach at the helm melbourne storm were now ready to take on the big guns in their inaugural nrl season 25 years on from that signing, with a proven Robbie Ross all the way through to the unknown of the then 22-year-old Matt Geyer, John Rebo reflects if there were any missed opportunities in that inaugural team. One doesn't really come to mind because the way we landed, and you could only have so many players here, and Chris said to me, what we had for the first year team was pretty exciting. Boy, we had this great platform to, to, uh, to work from and improve from. And the next year, well, it's all history now. It was, it was really good. So one thing we did, we, we had rankings of players. So you'd go through players. You did, if you didn't get them, you had someone else a fullback position. So uh, we always knew we were going to be competitive. I'd be a bit silly saying we knew we were going to win in two years' time. That was, that was a dream at the time. But it's amazing what can happen if you surround yourself with, as I say, good people, good players on the field, good people off the field. It was a good way to set up a football team. 